Ahoy, and welcome to the Jolly Reader. I'm your host, Captain Book. Okay, we're finishing One of Us Lying, so part three, and this episode's late. (laughs) I'll just say it. I'll own it. So my daughter starts school in less than a month, and I've literally been stay at home with her for the past five and a half years, and it's really hard for me to tell her, no, we can't go do this fun thing, and no, we can't play, and no, we can't go to the playground because it's the last second before you start school and I never see you again. So this is a day late because I did a bunch of stuff with her, and I'm not ashamed of it, and I'm sorry, crew, and please forgive me. But I will, I promise the episodes will come out like around the time they're supposed to. Usually I do Tuesdays, Wednesday, not so bad. So I won't go like an extra week without telling you guys or anything. So I have been dying to tell you about the end of this book. So before we get into that, we'll recap parts one and two. So let's see here. Maybe this is more of a recap of like part two. But anyways, the killer releases the previously unposted well not not necessarily killer whoever's doing the tumblr site releases the previously unposted secrets of the kids in detention so that cooper's using steroids which he says he isn't that bronwyn cheated in her chemistry class that Addie cheated on jake and that nate's selling drugs okay so everyone like of the four that group of four is becoming friends kind of and nate and bronwyn are becoming more than friends bronwyn and her sister have motive to kill simon because of the post he made about Maeve that previous year about her at the party nate's mom shows up question mark we kind of like just saw her and then have no idea what's going on with that Addie chopped her hair off and cooper has a boyfriend which i'm sure we're all excited about i know i am so Let's, oh, things to look forward to. Cooper saves the day. Like, sorry, not sorry. Spoiler alert. Like, I love Cooper. I made that very clear. Chris, with the K, his boyfriend, turns into a pretty good detective. Not like a real detective, but he helps solve it. Uh, there's an awkward first date. There's more than one arrest. And the twisted plot is uncovered. Dun, dun, dun. Sometimes these things to look forward to are really difficult. But anyways. So part three is called Truth or Dare. And it's chapters 19 through 30, and there's an epilogue, pages 217 through 360. So today, we're starting with chapter 19, Nate, Monday, October 15th, 4.30 p.m. Okay, so Nate's being all angsty, and I have for good reason, I suppose. So his mom's back, and his dad is in no condition to talk. (laughs) She tells Nate that she's been sober for three months, and she's been on medication that actually works because she's bipolar. And the only reason she actually finished rehab this time is because she's like getting the right medication. And like to me, this seems like a short rehab for someone that's been using cocaine for years. But like just saying three months is still better than nothing. She ends up being really awesome. So I hate to criticize, but like just saying that's a really short stint to be like, forgive me and trust me now. So basically Nate's like super mean to his mom, which I don't know. I feel like I'm in a tough position because she's trying her best, but like also he has every right to be mad. But Nate's like kind of irritating and says like really mean things and like gets his jollies off on it. So anyways, she's like, I was hoping your alcoholic dad would step up when I left. Like solid parenting plan there. So Nate leaves like his mom and his dad at his house. He just like walks out. He can't take it anymore. And she says she's staying at a motel and wants to talk to him once he works through all this or whatever. 
So then Nate also thinks about Bronwyn and he feels bad that he lied to her saying that his mom died, but it felt easier than explaining that she was on drugs and ran off to a commune. And like in his defense, he didn't know if she was dead or alive. Like it wouldn't have been far-fetched that he she did like overdose at some point and die. So he's not too worried that Bronwyn got called to the police station. I kind of forgot because I obviously read the whole story. And now I'm going back and telling you about where we left off. I kind of forgot that Bronwyn had just got called, to, called down to the police. But anyways... He said he's not worried because she has fancy lawyers and caring parents. Chip on shoulder. So, Nate doesn't call Bronwyn. Lame. You would think you would at least check. So, he drives all day and gets back at midnight, back to town or whatever. There's like this whole thing, goes to the desert. This is where me and my family had a vacation once. I don't know. It kind of doesn't matter in the scheme of things. Okay, so then he goes to some party and a drunk girl recognizes him from the news stories. And she doesn't believe he killed Simon, but... She thinks Bronwyn did it, and that makes him mad, obviously. But, like, I literally said that last episode, or two episodes ago, or whatever, so... Okay. So then the girl offers him drugs. They describe it like I'm supposed to know what type of drug she's offering him. I have no idea. And asked if he wants to go upstairs. And he thinks about it, but he rejects her. And then he goes outside, and when he does, he gets a call from Bronwyn. And she's like, hey, can we talk? Which I'm assuming he says yes to. So, oh, he does. Ugh. <laughs> okay, I don't want to talk about this next part. Bronwyn, Tuesday, October 16th, 12.30 a.m. Blah, blah, blah. Bronwyn sneaks Nate into her house. I I actually have this in my notes later on. Okay, the first time I read this book, I was like, I kind of like Bronwyn and Nate, like classic, like good girl, bad boy, whatever. Okay, now that I'm like really analyzing it and talking to you guys, I don't like their relationship very much. Because <sighs> Nate's all like, you're too good for me and I have to whine and cry. Hello, Catty Gat, whatever. Katie, whatever her name was. I don't even remember. Okay, so Bronwyn sneaks Nate into her house and they talk about his mom's situation. And Bronwyn's like not mad at all that he lied. She's pretty understanding. She's like really desperate and understanding of like every mean thing he does. But anyways, Nate brings up that his mom assumed that Bronwyn was his girlfriend when she saw them together like the first day when she was waiting by the door. And Bronwyn asks if that's out of the question. And Nate says he doesn't know how to date someone like her. And he would probably just mess it up. Well, guess what, buddy? You do. He also says that he's only been casual with people, but he isn't casual with anyone right now. Which, ew. So, sorry, not sorry. So, Bronwyn basically shoots her shot and says she wants to be with him, even if it's unofficial because of the murder case. Like, stop being so desperate, girl. There are other people out there. So, oh my gosh. I say I'm a little annoyed because I don't feel like this is a super clear response but Nate starts kissing her. It's relatively PG but Nate basically stops things from going further and instead they finish like the scary movie they started a while back when he was trying to get her to sneak out of her house or whatever and basically Bronwyn's super duper into it and Nate likes her but doesn't think he's good enough so I guess they're dating but I'm not sure and it's lame. Super lame. Chapter 20, Tuesday, October 16th, 5.45 p.m. Cooper talks to us about Chris. He's a freshman in college. He's a model. He's completely in love with him. Like, Cooper's completely in love with him. But he's obviously not ready to come out, which is fine. Chris is, like, understanding of that. But he, Chris came out when he was in middle school and his parents were super supportive and stuff. And he doesn't like exactly like having this closeted relationship, but like he's not going to push Cooper to like go at a pace, like a quicker pace or whatever. So anyways, 
Cooper says he had suspected that he liked guys but never knew how much he could really feel for one until he met Chris. It was always easy for Cooper to wait until marriage to have sex with girls because he's like this good southern boy, whatever. But he was always in denial that the real reason was because he was like not into girls. And the major thing he struggles with is his dad is pretty openly discriminates against people who are gay. It's pretty upsetting. <laughs> like they give examples. Anyways, also that not many openly gay baseball players like exist. So it would make his path to the big leagues more difficult. Cooper talks about having to take drug tests weekly. His fastballs haven't slowed down because he obviously wasn't using steroids. But then he also tells us that his dad told him to hold back his junior year. So it seemed like a bigger improvement his senior year when his fastball got like way faster and the scouts would start looking at him, which worked. But like, obviously, they were skeptical of him using steroids. So then Cooper also talks about Simon. And then there's like this story, which... Kind of comes back around. So at prom, junior prom, Simon was super drunk and he like put his arm around Cooper to talk to him, just like broing around. Cooper freaks out thinking that Simon knew Cooper was gay and was like hitting on him. Cooper had Simon like uninvited to this after party because of it. He like told the girl, it's that mean girl whose name I can't think of right now, but he's like, don't invite Simon. So... Simon, it talks more about this later, but Simon was really upset about this because he was on home or prom court or whatever, too. So it's like stupid that he's uninvited to this party and he literally did nothing wrong. But Cooper tells us that Simon was pretty clearly straight because he was like hitting on Keely. I don't know if we remember all this, but like they hooked up a couple times. But Cooper was so worried about his secret being found out. He freaks out and he feels really bad that he treated Simon poorly because he couldn't deal with who he was. And even after Simon's death, he can't deal with who he is. So... I still love Cooper, and he admits he was wrong, and everyone else did things way worse. Nate, Tuesday, October 16th, 6 p.m. <laughs> My first note says, where the heck is Addie, by the way? Because we're already like 10 minutes in, and we haven't even talked about her. It says, I can't even remember what she's doing at this point in the story. Riding a bike, probably. <laughs> oh, past Captain Book. Okay, Nate meets his mom for dinner at this diner or whatever. It does not go well. She talks about how she has a steady job and wants to help him and his dad pay for stuff and get Nate a lawyer. And Nate's like not having it all. And he's just being a butt to her. So he abruptly just like leaves the diner. She didn't even do anything. He's just like, I just can't take it. And he's bombarded by the media crew of that Mikhail Powers reporter person. I'm just going to call him Powers from now on because it's like much easier But anyways, Powers says, the court of public opinion matters in this case, and I'm here to help you with that, Nate. And Nate just like ignores him or rides off on his bike. And he says that his mom's outside when this happens. And if she wants to help, she can talk to Powers, which I don't think she ever does. But he's just like, he's being angsty or whatever. He's not doing himself any favors. Chapter 21, Bronwyn, Wednesday, October 17th, 12, 25 p.m. They're at lunch. Who? Oh, okay. They're just like at lunch at school. Okay. And um, it seems to be like Bronwyn, Addie, Maeve, and Cooper comes to sit with them. Cooper will come over the first few minutes of lunch and show that he's still supportive of Addie, but then he doesn't stay long enough to like make Jake mad. So the Powers crew is apparently outside doing interviews of other students and Leah comes over. She's the one that was at the f- memorial football thing and attempted suicide because of the stuff Simon said, so anyways, she comes over to the table and makes like some snarky comments, whatever, about Simon. 
And she asks if Bronwyn is ever going to admit she cheated in science, and Maeve goes off, and it's amazing. So Maeve says she can't complain, like Leah can't complain about Simon in one beat and repeat a rumor in the next. His rumor specifically. Then Maeve basically tells Leah to, to tell the media how Simon tortured to the point of a suicide attempt. And Leah's like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to talk about that. And Maeve says, why not? You didn't do anything wrong. Simon did. Don't you have a problem with that? Then maybe you should do something about it. And Leah like storms off and says, maybe I will then. And then we come to find out later that she really does go talk to them about it. So Maeve is typing on her phone and Bronwyn's like, what are you doing? Maeve says she's going to send Simon's 4chan comments, that's like the school shooting threads and stuff, to the Powers investigative whatever. And she says that he's an investigative reporter, so maybe he should look into it. So Janae like freaks out and grabs Maeve's arm and won't let go until Bronwyn makes her. And Janae's like, none of you knew anything about him being Simon, and she storms off. So then Cooper dips after that awkward mess. And Bronwyn wonders why Janae even sits with them at lunch at all, because they're all just like a reminder of Simon being dead. Addie, Friday, October 19th, 11, 12 a.m. Addie's running in gym class. And then Vanessa, that's a mean girl. She trips her and she leans down to Addie, like pretending to be concerned and is like, serves you right, slut. When she's like the biggest slut of the school. And I said it like, whatever. She's not a real person. I wouldn't normally say that about people, but like, dude, hypocrites okay so the gym teacher has janae take addie to the nurse's office but instead they go to the locker room because addie's been avoiding the nurse's office since she's been accused of stealing the EpiPens and stuff she just feels like really uncomfortable so addie's talking to janae and basically says that this is what simon would have wanted right for all our secrets be out there for everyone to judge and janae says he wasn't like that he went overboard with the about that, but he wouldn't have wanted like all this for Addie. And Simon had a rough couple years, but they never elaborate on that. Then Janae kind of abruptly asks if Addie wants to hang out that afternoon. Her mom has book club, so she was wondering if she'd come over to Addie's house. And Addie's just like, sure. But she's also like really kind of weirded out. because She's like, I didn't know we were that close. So Janae comes over and is super awkward. And Addie's mom's concerned with the type of friends Addie has now. What else is her mom going to judge? Jeez. So Janae asks Addie if she missed how things were before, like with friends and stuff. And Addie says yes and no. Like school is easier, but her friends were never really her friends and she's happy to be rid of them. Addie says she isn't going to pretend like losing her friends is harder than Janae losing Simon. And then there's like awkward silence until Janae asks for something to drink. So then Addie goes downstairs to get the drinks and when she comes back up, Janae says she's suddenly not feeling well and is ready to go and is like super sketchy. So then Addie tells Bronwyn, she like texts her in frustration because she doesn't really understand Janae. And Bronwyn texts back, be careful. I don't trust her. You're one to talk, Bronwyn. Your boyfriend lied about his mom being dead last freaking chapter. I digress. Chapter 22, Cooper, Sunday, October 21st, October 21st, <laughs> 5.25 p.m. The police call Cooper to the station. Oh, no. Okay. Him and his lawyer and the officer are in the interrogation room and his dad's waiting outside. And the police found the encrypted entry that Simon was going to post before it was changed to the fake story about the steroids. And I'm about to read it. Poor Coop. 
Page 249. Everyone wants a piece of Bayview Southpaw CC, and he's finally been tempted. He's stepping out on the beauteous KS with a hot German underwear model. What guy wouldn't, right? Except the new love interest models boxers and briefs, not bras and thongs. Sorry, Kay, but you can't compete when you play for the wrong team. Rude. And true. Okay, so the lawyer doesn't let Cooper speak and about this like respond and tells the police that disclosing information about sexual orientation violates constitutional rights to privacy so cooper knows he has to come out to his family and that his life's about to change because there's been like leaks throughout this whole case and stuff so the police tell him that they're going to talk to keely and chris because like evidence blah 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 and the police are basically accusing cooper of changing his post then killing simon to make sure the original post never gets out but cooper makes a good point to us he says wouldn't i have taken myself out of the equation entirely or come up with something less career threatening like cheating on keely with another girl because that would kill two birds with one stone i completely agree so after the detective is done the lawyer basically tells cooper he needs to talk to his family and then they can move forward with like how to handle everything so anyways the lawyers like reassures cooper and it's like, your family loves you, your dad loves you, you'll be fine. So when they get home, Cooper comes out to his mom, dad, and grandma, and the dad actually starts laughing and like doesn't believe it. And the grandma is firm and says, like, this isn't a joke, Cooper's being serious. And it's like a really intense moment. Chapter 23, Addie, Monday, October 22nd, 8.45 a.m. So they're at school, and Cooper pulls Addie aside, and the police are going to like talk to the students at the school again and cooper just wanted to tell someone himself before he's outed by the police and he also notes that his dad isn't talking to him at all since he came out so Addie says to us a lot of stuff makes sense now and she's totally cool with cooper being gay and she tries to distract him and tell him no one will care and he tells her everyone will and she knows he's right so Addie tells cooper that her and Bronwyn think the four of them, including Nate, should all get together and compare notes about the investigation, especially now that the police are looking pretty hard at Cooper and Bronwyn. So Cooper tells her if they get together, he's in. They're all in the cafeteria, and Cooper walks into the cafeteria, and this is so sad. So people are saying some pretty homophobic, terrible things, which aren't even worth repeating on this podcast, they're so mean. So then Nate walks in during all this and tells everyone, get a life, and... Vanessa like says boyfriend or whatever because Nate's standing next to Cooper and Nate throws down. He's like, I don't even know your name and you've tried to stick your hand down my pants at the last party. I would love to meet a guy at this school you haven't come on to. And then there's like some kid at this nerdy table that raised his hand and Nate's like, there you go, Vanessa, like go try that out or whatever. (laughs) So then Nate sits down next to Bronwyn and she starts like kissing him like no one's watching and the cafeteria explodes and no one's focused on Cooper anymore. So Addie just like pulls Cooper to sit with them and she says they're like the murder club and they're all at one table so everyone can just stare at them together like big who cares. So then Lewis, this is the catcher friend who switches cars with Cooper at the gym, which like normally probably the first read through I'd pay more attention to and think like he's suspect. He's totally not involved. Anyways, he comes and sits with them and it's like this whole situation's BS and he like supports Cooper. So then Addie says, in situations like this, you find out who your real friends are. And just because she didn't have any, she's glad Cooper does. Except for like, okay, sorry. But like Addie chose to cheat on her boyfriend when she could have just like broken up with them. And like Cooper can't choose who he loves. He did cheat on Keely, which is messed up. But like, not the same thing. Anyways. 
Chapter 24. Neat. Thursday, October 25th, 12.20 a.m. Oh, good. Okay, I'm like kind of over Nate's chapters, and then I realize like all of them are talking, and like this is actually a really good chapter. Shoo. The four of them plan on meeting at this new build house, like kind of where Nate left Bronwyn that burner phone. And Nate and Bronwyn get there first, and they're like making out because of hormones and all that. And then Addie gets there next, and she has a purple streak in her hair, Captain Book style. I don't know if you've looked at selfies of me, but I definitely have colorful hair. And then Cooper arrives. And they all talk about the connections. I don't know what that means, but it says bottom of page 268 or 265. So we'll just read that. I wrote this note like yesterday and I don't even know what it means. Okay, so Bronwyn's saying this. Simon was about to post some pretty shocking things about all of us. Somebody got us into that room together with the fake cell phones. Simon was poisoned while we were there. Lots of people besides us had reason to be mad at Simon. He was mixed up in all kinds of creepy 4chan, sorry, Chan, I always say chain, creepy 4chan stuff. Who knows what kind of people he pissed off? Is that it? Oh, Janae said he hated being an outsider and he was really upset. Nothing more ever happened with Keely. Okay, so then... They kind of lean on Keely being a connection for the moment because she hooked up and rejected Simon. She obviously dated Cooper and she hooked up with Nate at some point and she was besties with Addie. So Cooper's not convinced by this. Neither am I. So they move on to Leah, but they think she's like too hot headed to pull off something so calculated, which like I agree. Then they talk about Janae and how it's weird that she hangs out with all the people accused of murdering her best friend. Agreed. And they aren't convinced that she would have it in her to murder Simon, though. But she wouldn't know Simon's secrets. So then they start talking about the car accident the day of Simon's death. So Cooper says one of the cars was a really old red Camaro that he had never seen in the school parking lot before that day or any day after. So he's going to talk to Lewis since Lewis's brother works at a repair place, blah, blah, blah. It all makes sense. They figure it out down the road. Nate ends with he's surprised how much he likes these three now. He more than likes Bronwyn and Addie's kind of a badass now, which she totally is. And Cooper is not as one dimensional as he thought. Also, Nate doesn't think any of them killed Simon, which I love how this is like a revolution, revolution, no, a uh, revelation, whatever, two thirds of the way through the book when I feel like we've all kind of felt like that the whole time, right? Bronwyn, Friday, October 26th, 8 p.m. There's another Mikhail Powers Investigates episode, and he accuses the police of disclosing personal information. Basically, the police and Simon come out as bad guys, and the four of them are innocent bystanders, because Powers gets, like, really mad because he's openly gay, so he doesn't like the treatment of Cooper. Neither do I. So then Leah actually did talk to Powers, and they show her and the other students' interviews about how Simon bullied them. And then they flash like one of the 4chan discussions Maeve sent on screen. And I will read that to you. Page 271. Look, I support the notion of violently disrupting schools in theory, but this kid showed a depressing lack of imagination. I mean, it was fine, I guess. It got the job done. Haven't we seen this a hundred times now? Kid shoots up school, shoots up self, film at 11. Raise the stakes, for God's sake. Do something original. A grenade, maybe. Samurai swords? Surprise me when you take out a bunch of asshole lemmings. That's all I'm asking. It's pretty freaking messed up. So anyways, later, Bronwyn and Nate are talking on the phone about how they could possibly go on a real date if this all blows over, blah, blah, blah. She falls asleep while they're watching the movie he picked out. And then, okay, so like the next morning, 
Maeve is pale and she's like, come downstairs. And Bronwyn looks at the TV and sees... Drum roll. <laughs> Nate in handcuffs and the caption says, arrest in Simon Keeler's murder case. I don't know if that's how you say his last name, but that's what it says. Chapter 25, Bronwyn, Saturday, November 3rd, 10, 17 a.m. Bronwyn is clearly freaking out that Nate got arrested. But I'm happy because I don't have to hear his chapters for quite some time. So she wants to help him, obviously, and find new evidence. So she calls her lawyer who doesn't answer. And then she calls Eli, who's that like nonprofit lawyer or whatever, who's been giving interviews on the power show. So she convinces Eli to at least talk to Nate's mom and give some legal advice. Not illegal, legal. Jeez. Okay. So then Bronwyn goes to the motel that Nate's mom's staying at. Her name's Ellen. Anyways, and leaves her a note to call her. So Maeve is with Bronwyn this whole time and is pretty skeptical of Nate. And she's like, I know you like Nate, but isn't it possible he did this? Maeve also brings up like they must have found something new convincing evidence since they like actually arrested him. And Bronwyn's like absolutely not having it. Now, although I don't think Nate did it, I also think it's like kind of unreasonable that she's just like, no, he didn't do it. You never know anybody, okay? Never. Okay, so anyways, Bronwyn gets a hold of Addie, who's clearly shocked, obviously. And then this is like really weird. She invites Bronwyn and Maeve to come over for like a sister night with her sister. That literally never happens, but they make it seem like it's going to. Anyways, so when Bronwyn and Maeve get home, there are camera crews and news people all over their driveway. And when they get in the house, Bronwyn's mom is there waiting to talk to her. And she basically asks Bronwyn to tell the truth about her relationship with Nate. And Bronwyn tells her almost everything, just like not that she snuck him into their house. And the mom says she won't stop Bronwyn from trying to get Eli and Ellen in contact with each other, but basically like stop freaking lying. Then Bronwyn gets a phone call and it's Nate's mom returning her call. Cooper, Saturday, November 3rd, 3.15 p.m. Cooper's playing a baseball game and he does really good, but no one cares. And they only pay attention to him as a publicity. How come I never say this word? Publicity stunt. I butchered that. And his dad won't even talk to him. He gets done with the game. A reporter asks him how he feels about Nate's arrest. And Cooper was playing, so he hadn't heard anything about it. And then... On the drive home, his dad just kind of like one word answers and stuff. And when they get to their house, there's reporters there. And his dad's like, I hope this was worth it. Your choice. And Cooper's like, it wasn't a choice. Like, what the heck? Plus, like, I didn't murder Simon either. So what the heck? And his dad just gets out of the car. So also like side note, Cooper and Chris are still like totally together. But obviously, this whole situation has made things difficult. So Cooper gets inside and he's talking to his grandma. And she suggests that Cooper brings Chris over for dinner and Cooper's like, uh, that would not go over well at all. And she's like, well, your dad's going to have to suck it up, isn't he? And get used to it. Also, side note, like Cooper's little brother is totally on board and like loves, not loves, but he's like totally accepting that his brother is gay. Like he couldn't care less. So then Cooper gets a call from Bronwyn asking if he's heard anything from Lewis's brother about the red Camaro. He hasn't. So she asks if he can check again, blah, 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 pointless, whatever. So Cooper has doubts that Nate killed Simon, but he can't help but to be relieved that the police are looking at someone else other than Cooper. Cooper's happy to help because him and Nate are like connected in this weird way. I mean, they both made out with the same girl, but I don't think that's what he meant. Anyways, and Nate stood up for him at lunch when everyone else was being monsters. Chapter 26, Bronwyn, Sunday, November 4th, 10 a.m. Bronwyn, her mother and Nate's mother meet with Eli at his until proven office. That's like the nonprofit. So Eli says he can give the mom advice and offer a referral, but he's already swamped as it is, blah, blah, blah. 
The mom, Ellen, starts telling him what she knows. So there was an anonymous tip to the school that Nate had drugs in his locker. When they did the search, they didn't find any drugs, but they did find Simon's water bottle and Simon's EpiPen and also the EpiPens from the nurse's office. That's convenient. Plus, why would you even do that? Like, that's not even convincing to me. So anyways, the police got involved and got a warrant to search the house and they found a computer in the closet in Nate's bedroom with a quote-unquote journal, that's like what they're calling it, with all the Tumblr posts on it. So Nate denies being involved, obviously, and there's no fingerprints on any of this stuff. So Nate's locker and his house were searched right after the murder and nothing was found. And Ellen says that the district attorney wants to move Nate to a regular prison because he's currently in juvenile detention. So Eli's super upset by all this, clearly. And he said he shouldn't be moved to prison. He's only 17. And all this stuff could have been planted, obviously. And it wasn't found in the original search. So then Eli caves and says uh, he'll take the cake. Cake? No, he'll take the case. Then he kicks Bronwyn and her mom out because he can't be talking to other represented people in the case. I don't know. It's like against ethics. I don't know. Anyway, so Bronwyn leaves but is upset because Eli doesn't know about the truck and the other stuff they figured out so far. But who cares, Bronwyn? Addy, Monday, November 5th, 6.30 p.m. What? I have ah, like screaming. And then I says, but not yet. We have to sift through Addy's mom being awful first. <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. So Addy, oh gosh. Okay. Addy's mom and Ashton are, and Addy are all eating dinner when JT, TJ, I don't know why I have JT. It's definitely TJ, that guy she hooked up with, rings the doorbell because Addy left her textbook at school. They were lab partners. They have a test tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. He asks if they want to study. She's like, I'm busy and tells him to leave. So Addie's mom's super upset by this. She's like, you've let yourself go. Boys aren't after you anymore. You aren't exactly college material. So how will you find a man to take care of you? Maybe if you go on some dates with this kid, other boys will like you and be interested in you. It's all like super duper icky. So luckily, Addie and Ashton are not having it and they tell the mom that a boyfriend is not the most important thing and Addie can be happy without a man, which I completely agree with this statement. But I also super duper like TJ and I really wanted like him and Addie to date and that would be so awesome because he's so cute and awesome and whatever. But like I understand Addie's like doing her thing, finding herself, being a strong independent woman and I support that. Also, they're not real people, so whatever. So anyways, Bronwyn calls and asks Addie to come over. Okay, so Addie gets there and Cooper and Mave are there too. And Bronwyn wants to go through the Tumblr posts together and maybe pick out anything that doesn't seem accurate or like something Nate wouldn't say. Okay, this is the part where I'm like screaming. So anyways, they're going through and Addie's not paying super attention when Cooper notices something and he's like, this didn't happen. Read page 299. He doesn't say that. I do. This investigation is turning into such a cliche. This is like off the Tumblr post. The four of us even caught Detective Wheeler eating a pile of donuts in the interrogation room. So, Eddie says to us, like, Cooper and Bronwyn are right. This didn't happen. But she did tell Jake this. So, w- side note, which I didn't like. Sp- I don't think I specifically mentioned this. But the last time that he, like, called her over, like... Do you remember Jake was like in the hallway and he was like, oh, do you want to talk? I'm like here if you need me. And she comes over and he's like grilling her about the case. And she's like, I don't owe to tell him anything. But she did tell him this fake story about the police officers eating donuts or whatever. 
to like shut him up about it and then he's like super mean to her and she leaves so sorry i left that detail out but like obviously it's revealed like immediately so no loss chapter 27 bronwyn tuesday november 6 7 30 p.m so bronwyn isn't supposed to talk to eli so she texts nate's mom instead and she tells her that jake is involved somehow because he clearly has written one tumblr post and the mom texts back and she's like thanks but you need to not involve yourself anymore So Cooper doesn't think Jake was involved in the murder of Simon because he was at football practice that whole time. And his friend Lewis even confirms this. And I say, I don't know why no one is suspecting the friend Lewis, but he isn't involved at all, if I remember correctly. He's not. So Bronwyn and Addie and Maeve have put together a bunch of post-it notes with facts they know on page 301. So I'm just going to read them. Someone planted phones in our backpacks. Simon was poisoned during detention. Bronwyn, Nate, Cooper, Addie, and Mr. Avery were in the room. The car accident distracted us. Jake wrote at least one Tumblr post. Jake and Simon were friends once. Leah hates Simon. Aiden Wu hates Simon. That's a kid that was caught cross-dressing. Simon had a thing for Keely. Simon had a violence-loving alter ego online. Simon was depressed. Janae seemed depressed. Janae and Simon stopped being friends, question mark. So then Cooper comes over to tell them about the red Camaro. There was one that came in a few days after Simon's death that had fender damage, and he gives Bronwyn the owner's license number and phone number, which seems illegal, but okay. So Cooper has a hard time believing that Jake wrote the Tumblr post. I said, Jake seems pretty conceited to me, so those seemed on point. But Cooper thinks maybe Jake was just blabbing to the wrong person. But, like, you have to remember, they are besties. So they're trying to figure out how everything's connected, and Cooper thinks the four of them being in detention was personal and not just collateral damage because his post was changed, which is super personal, and the Tumblr post keeps egging everyone on after Simon's death. So Addie says that stuff with her and Jake would be personal, obviously, and maybe Jake was jealous of Cooper, and Maeve thinks the most people connected are Jake, Leah... Aiden and Janae, but Jake and Janae are more connected and more likely than the others. So Bronwyn figures out where the kids go to school. Oh, not the kid. The kid who drives a Camaro. She figures out where he goes to school and she just like waits in the school parking lot for him. And he does and they start talking. So Bronwyn tells him she saw him get in the accident that day. And she's like, I remember your license plate. Like whatever. She just didn't want to like explain it. So... The guy's nervous, but he gets into Bronwyn's car and talks to her. His name is Sam, by the way. So Sam tells Bronwyn he was nervous to go to the police and didn't know how his situation was involved in everything and whatever. So he says that a guy paid him and his friend $1,000 each to get into a fender bender and the cost of the car to get fixed was only $500. So they pocketed the rest. Like who wouldn't do that? Um, Me. I would not do that, but okay. So Bronwyn asks who paid them. And was like, do you know his name? And the guy says he didn't, but... And then Bronwyn cuts him off and asks if he has brown hair and blue eyes, like Jake. So Sam said, yes. So I'm just saying, though, like, who knows someone's eye color for talking to him once about, like, plotting to crash cars? I don't even... I would not remember that. So anyways, Bronwyn's trying to pull up a photo of the homecoming court so Sam can point out Jake. And Sam is like, I don't need a photo. I know who it is now after seeing the news. And Bronwyn thinks about how when the stories first came out, there's pictures of Jake with Addie. So Bronwyn gets a homecoming photo pulled up and is like, is it this guy, Jake, right here? And Sam's like, no, it was someone else a lot more closely involved to the whole thing. And Bronwyn realizes the only other boy with dark hair and blue eyes involved in the investigation is Nate. But there's more. If you remember, someone else was on the homecoming court that year. Sam 
says to Bronwyn, it was Simon who paid us to create the accident. Chapter 28, Cooper, Wednesday, November 7th, 7.40 p.m. Oh, gosh. So Cooper and Chris kind of have a first date. This is what I was saying and the things to look forward to. So there's a meeting of the murder club, which includes Bronwyn, Maeve, Addie, Ashton, Cooper, and Chris. And they're just discussing everything and the connections, etc. When Eli, the lawyer, walks in, the coffee shop Bronwyn picked is below Eli's office, and he refuses to talk to any of them, but does show some interest in Ashton. Ashton goes over and confirms that Eli did get the information about the car accident, because Bronwyn told the kid to like, go talk to him about it and, like, say that he was paid off to do it. Sam. So they go back to discussing everything, and Ashton notes that Jake is a complete control freak. Totally is. So Maeve says that Simon and Jake are connected, but how? And Chris starts solving the case. So he says that there has always been a lot of focus on who was in the room. The teacher has been ruled out. I'm not sure why, but okay, like, I'll accept it for plot purposes. And the four of them didn't do it, so who's left? Chris puts two post-it notes together. Simon was poisoned during detention and Simon was depressed. So they come to the conclusion that Simon committed suicide and is framing the four of them. And that's his way of taking out the other students. So if you remember on one of the 4chan threads referring to the school shooting, Simon said, do something original. Surprise me when you take out a bunch of lemming a-holes. Cooper thinks about Simon choking as he died. And Cooper says, I think he regretted it at the end. And like, if someone could have saved him, maybe he would have changed his ways and like realized that's not what he really wanted. And everyone kind of agrees with that. And then Maeve asks how Jake fits into all this. And Chris says he must have been an accomplice because someone had to keep things going after Simon died, like meaning the Tumblr post and stuff and like the investigation of the four. So Bronwyn says that Simon must have found out about Addie and TJ, then approached Jake with it, and then Jake would have wanted revenge, so maybe that's why he helped Simon. And Addie gets super upset about this, obviously, because like you, no one wants to be like the reason someone does all this. So Addie gets super upset, and Ashton takes her home. So Addie isn't mad at them, just like the idea that her cheating caused all this. So Chris points out that there's still one person they could talk to that might have known something more useful and that's Janae. So later Bronwyn and Maeve leave and then Cooper and Chris leave and the whole time Cooper talks about how he is awkward in public with Chris and self-conscious that people might find out the nature of their relationship and Cooper just like goes for it when they walk outside of the coffee shop and he just super passionately kisses Chris and Chris offers Cooper his hand and they walk down the sidewalk holding hands together and I could not be happier about it because That's amazing, and I'm glad Cooper's figuring it out and, like, being more comfortable with himself. Nate, Wednesday, November 7th, 11.30 p.m. Okay, so Nate briefly talks about jail, like, briefly being less than a page. He says that he's just keeping his head down and doesn't complain about how long the days are because he was arrested for a capital offense and four months away from his 18th birthday. He also talks about answering the lawyer's endless questions, which I'm going to read that bottom of page 317. So he says, like, this is how he answers the questions. Yeah, I leave my locker open sometimes. No, Simon's never been to my house. Yeah, we saw each other outside of school sometimes. The last time, question mark, probably when I was selling him weed. Sorry, we're not supposed to talk about that, are we? So that's just like an interesting tidbit, which 
literally never comes back around. So Nate ends with, you don't think about what's outside or who, especially if she's better off forgetting you existed. Also, like this whole time, he refuses to let Bronwyn visit him. Boo-hoo, poor Nate, not good enough for Bronwyn. Chapter 29, Addie, Thursday, November 8th, 7 p.m. Okay, wow, a lot is happening is my first note, so buckle up. Addie is thinking about the Tumblr post and how something insignificant happened the morning before Simon died. Jake offered to carry Addie's backpack, which she had never done before. A few hours later, a phone is found in her backpack, which landed her in detention. So Addie decides to talk to Janae, but she hasn't been in school all week. Janae hadn't. And she hasn't been answering texts. So Addie shows up at her house and Cooper drove her and she's like, stay in the car. Janae won't talk to me if you're with me. So Addie's checking on Janae and gets invited in. Well, she kind of like forces her way in. Anyways, Janae confirms that her parents aren't home so they can talk about this situation. So Addie just comes out and says, Simon did this to himself, didn't he? And Janae's like, how'd you know that? And Addie pretty much explains everything that we talked about last chapter. So Janae spills the whole truth. So buckle up. She goes upstairs and she gets what she calls Simon's manifesto and reads it. And it's supposed to be sent to the police a year later so everyone would know he pulled it off. So I'm going to read it, page 321 and 322. Here's the first thing that you need to know. I hate my life and everything in it. So I decided to get the hell out, but not go quietly. I thought a lot about how to do this. I could buy a gun like pretty much any asshole in America bar the doors one morning and take out as many Bayview lemmings as I have bullets for before turning the last one on myself. I'd have a lot of bullets. But that's been done to death. It doesn't have the same impact anymore. I want to be more creative, more unique. I want my suicide to be talked about for years. I want imposters to try to imitate me and fail because the planning this takes is beyond your average depressed loser with a death wish. You've been watching it unfold for a year now. If it's gone the way I hope, you have no clue what actually happened. So Addie asks what led Simon to this point. Like he was clearly depressed and he was bitter because he thought he deserved a lot more respect and attention than he actually got. And then he spent a lot more time online fantasizing about revenge on everyone. Simon started talking about killing himself and taking people with him, but in a creative way. And he was obsessed with the idea of using the app to frame everyone like the about that app. So Simon knew Bronwyn cheated in science and she was going to be valedictorian. And he just felt like he could never catch up to her, even though he was good at school. He also thought she screwed him out of that model UN competition. So Simon went after Nate because he couldn't stand that he landed Keeley with zero effort and when Simon thought he really had a chance with her before they hooked up. Simon went after Cooper because he had Simon uninvited to that post-prom party and Simon was humiliated because he was on the prom court and everything, blah, blah, blah. He's also mad at Cooper because Jake just like dropped Simon as a friend freshman year or whenever to be best friends with Cooper. So Janae thought she could talk Simon out of it and that he might not go through with it. But then Jake found something about Simon that Simon didn't want anyone to know. So at the pool over the summer, Jake overheard Simon talking to Janae about how he rigged the votes to get on prom court, which we talked about earlier, how he like told people he wouldn't tell their secrets if they voted for him, blah, blah, blah. And then Simon was saying he would do it again for homecoming that next year. So Jake started laughing at Simon and Simon couldn't stand the idea of Jake telling people Janae says, can you imagine the creator of About That getting exposed as such a wannabe? It sent him over the edge. 
So Simon already knew about Addie and TJ. Then Simon needed someone to keep things going after he died, and he used this secret to get Jake to help him since Janae refused to. Simon told Jake this whatever secret so he would plant everything on Addie and she would take the fall and wind up in jail. That's what Jake wanted. So Jake was totally on board and came up with the idea of sending Addie to the nurse's office that day to make her look more suspicious. Janae said, as an added bonus, Simon didn't care if Jake screwed it up and got caught. He was almost hoping he would. He hated Jake for years for what I said earlier. Jake dropping Simon as a friend and starting hanging out with Cooper, blah, blah, blah. Addie comes to the horrible realization. Oh my gosh, I'm like dying. This part's horrible. Okay, that Jake knew this whole time, even before she spilled her guts to him. So he knew when he drove her and TJ to that beach party. He knew when he had sex with her. He knew the day he was comforting her and he was just waiting to punish her. And that's really like the most messed up thing ever. I don't know about you, but I'm screaming about it internally, clearly, because I don't want to mess up this recording. So Addie asked why Nate was framed instead of her since that was the whole plan. And Janae confesses that the day she went to Addie's house, she was supposed to plant all the stuff, but chickened out. And she asked like why. And she says Addie was the only person that was nice to her and even cared that Janae actually missed Simon. So she planted on Nate instead because it was easier option. And she like just kind of panicked. When the plan was first hatched, Jake had taken a recording of the three of them. So Jake janae and simon discussing it and then he edited it to make it sound like it was all janae's idea and jake has been holding that over her head and that's why she planted the stuff and didn't go to the police jake's plan is to pin everything on janae if things go down and they get found out like what's actually going on so she also talks about how jake went on a power trip and like having control over the tumblr page addy asked why cooper's post got changed because it went from the story about him being gay and having a boyfriend to the steroid story. Janae says that Jake said he was doing Cooper a favor, but really Janae thinks that Jake didn't want people looking at him when it turns out that his best friend is gay. And Jake had always been jealous of Cooper's baseball skills. So Addie's trying to convince Janae to tell someone and Janae's like, all I have is this manifesto printout, but Jake has the video version along with some backup files that show they planned the whole thing for months. So Janae's worried that she would go to jail for obstructing justice and aiding and abetting, which by the way, I thought was embedding, like embedding data until I had to type it out. Anyways, I'm an idiot. So there is a knock at the door. Janae's like, oh my God, it has to be Jake. So she's like, he only comes by when my parents' car isn't in the driveway. So then Addie gets a text from Cooper that's like, Jake's here. What's going on? So Addie tells Janae to talk about everything, like, whatever, about the plan, whatever. And Addie will hide and record the conversation. So she texts Cooper and it's like, it's fine. Just wait. So Jake comes in and he's like, "Uh, Janae, you have to go to school and act like business usual. And he says, sending Nate to jail was your choice. That should have been Addie, which is why I'm here, by the way. You F this up and need to turn it around. I have some ideas. Okay, so Janae says that Simon was sick and she wants out. And Jake says it isn't her call because he has a recording of her. And Jake says there's nothing to tie him to this whole situation. So he'll frame Janae if she like tries to rat on him. Then Addie's ringtone goes off full blast. Mistake. Watch a movie for once. Like mute your freaking phone. 
So Cooper texts her, are you okay? Which, by the way, kind of ironic about muting the phone because as I'm recording this, my phone just lit up, but I have it on silent so you don't hear it on the recording. Anyways, Jake knows the text sound is her because she has like a specific ringtone. So Addie like takes off out the back door into these woods behind the house and she trips and hurts her ankle but keeps running and Addie's yelling for help and then Jake catches up to her and he hits Addie across the face and tells her that she brought this upon herself she's really trying to like fight back she's kneeing him she's clawing at him so jake shoves her to the ground and kneels down slams her head against a rock and he starts choking her and addy's like blacking out and jake says you should be in jail instead of nate but this works too and she can't breathe and she said she like can't get his thumbs off her okay pluck those thumbs girl Okay, so that's like a Krav Maga thing. Anyways, she can't breathe. She hears a shriek and there's a thud. Janae's trying to help basically is like what you infer. So Jake's back to choking Addie and she's fighting him. No use because she didn't go to self-defense classes. Then she can breathe again and Jake's like flying backwards. And then Cooper's standing over Addie and he's like holding her. And then she hears like the sounds of sirens coming closer. Okay, so like before we move on to the next chapter... Just a PSA. I'm taking the time to talk about it because we're like addressing suicide. So I'm just going to put it out here in case anyone needs it. National, this is for the US, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You can also go to their website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. I just think it's like really important that anyone out there to know like there are resources and I know I'm like nobody and I don't know you guys, but I care if you're here and you're alive and you're surviving, you're fighting through it. If you're a human being, I care that you're here and listening. Also, I know I have international listeners, so there's another option. And this is just a crisis line. It's not necessarily for suicide specifically, but depression, whatever. So you can text it. The US and Canada texting is you text home to 741741 and the UK, you can text 85258. And in Ireland, you can text 50808. So there'll just be a crisis counselor. The first two messages will be automated and then they'll like put you with a counselor and they'll kind of help you sort through your feelings and like bring you down off of your high point of feeling upset. I just want to put these resources out there. I think it's really important. Thanks for listening. Let's move on to the next chapter. Chapter 30, Nate, Friday, November 9th, 3.40 p.m. Nate gets out of jail, obviously. His mom, Bronwyn, and Eli are waiting for him. We find out that Addie has a fractured skull, but she'll be okay. Janae has a busted jaw, but she'll also be okay. And Cooper is a hailed hero, of course. And he just like knocked Jake out. So basically, Nate is busy feeling bad for himself because he didn't do anything to help and was easy to frame and Bronwyn's like trying to love on him and he just avoids her and asks her to go home. He weirdly feels satisfied that he disappointed her right on schedule. And okay, so I have a note. It says, I can't believe I enjoyed their relationship the first time I read it. Nate is so awful to her and has this chip on his shoulder and it's not a good look and it's getting old. Blah. Cooper, Saturday, November 17th, 9.30 a.m. Cooper tells us he's still struggling with the idea that his friend Jake was part of this, which like totally understandable. Like I said, you don't know anybody. You don't know what people are capable of. Cooper also feels awful that he was a part of all this because of getting Simon uninvited to that post-prom party. Okay. I just want to like say right now, everyone 
everyone, including Simon, are all victims in this situation. The only person not a victim is Jake because he's a freaking monster. And like, was it wrong that Cooper did that? Yes. But was the reaction to it by Simon his fault? Absolutely not. So just saying. So he tells us that Jake's in juvie and that he's being charged with assault, obstruction of justice, evidence tampering, and some other stuff. They don't list it, though. Janae's going to get a plea deal for cooperating and testifying. Cooper doesn't know how he feels about her since she had a chance to stop everything. But he says that her and Addie are like really close friends now and he's in no position to judge anyone. So Cooper's going to go meet with Keely later. Her name was part of this whole confession. So the school and media have not been kind to her. And Cooper wants to support her and apologize for lying during their relationship. Cooper has decided to go to college instead of straight into the draft. His dad is starting to come around. The dad is still super uncomfortable with the relationship Cooper has with Chris, but he doesn't completely run away from it, which is a start. Addie, Saturday, November 17th, 2.15 p.m. Addie's still struggling with totally accepting that the Jake she dated is the Jake that tried to kill her in the woods. Obviously, that's horrible. I don't know how you accept that. Addie also struggles with her feelings towards Simon. She hates him, but also feels bad for him. And mostly she wishes she never met him. Like, I totally understand that feeling. She tells us that TJ has asked her out a few times, but she said no. She can't bring herself to date the person that helped her cause all this damage. She really likes him, but it's all too much. I'm super sad about it, but I totally understand. I'll get over it. So Eli has been taking Ashton on some dates and she's enjoying herself. And Ashton surprises Addie by showing her an apartment she got. And Addie's excited for her sister, but sad that her sister's moving out. And Ashton says there's an extra bedroom, but Addie can't come and stay and visit. And Addie's like, what? Why? And then she's like, I want you to move in, Addie, so they can both have a fresh start. So happy endings there. Bronwyn, Sunday, November 18th, 1045 a.m. Bronwyn does a short interview with Powers and apologizes for cheating and for making Simon feel the way he did. Bronwyn tells us in the past week, Nate has talked to Addie more than her and said she should come by so they can catch up. His dad's trying rehab and his mom's doing her best to like spritz up the place, whatever. Nate doesn't even look at Bronwyn and is like, thanks, I owe you one for getting me out of jail. We should probably just get back to normal and you and me being together isn't normal. Bronwyn still cares about him the same way she always has. And Nate says they have nothing in common now that this case is over and she should move on to the Ivy Leagues while he continues to do the opposite of that. Bronwyn is defeated and says, if that's what you really want, and she leaves. Who cares? Like, he's being a butt. Like, I hate people like this. Anyways, she gets home and like full body cries while Maeve comforts her. And Maeve's like, there's something that will cheer you up. A tweet from Yale. And it says, to air as human, Bronwyn, we look forward to receiving your application. So her life's not over. Who cares? Epilogue. Three months later, Bronwyn, Friday, February 15th, 6.50 p.m. Also, big who cares? Dumb, but whatever. It's my job to tell you is what my first note says. Bronwyn is casually dating Evan. That's like the first mathly guy she liked like a million years ago. But she's like, it's a relationship till college. Then we'll go our separate ways, blah, blah, blah. She has this piano performance thing and she doesn't even invite her boyfriend, Evan, whatever. Bronwyn tells us that Nate hasn't talked to her at all in three months and Cooper and Chris are still together. Ashton and Eli are officially together and they all go to her performance. So does Addie, who now has all purple hair like me. I have all purple hair right now. So she does a performance and she's waiting outside and a motorcycle pulls up. Great. It's Nate. Whatever. He's like an idiot or he was an idiot, whatever. And he was afraid he was going to ruin everything. A little late for that. I'm pretty sure you already ruined it. And he's like, I want to take you to the movies, but just as friends, because I know you're not there yet. 
And she's like, I won't give in that easily. Okay, I roll. Whatever. She agrees to go with him. She's smiling. Whatever. End of book. I know. I'm super bummed about the epilogue. Like, them breaking up was good enough for me. It was, like, kind of unexpected and fulfilling, like, in that kind of sort of way. But then to be like, oh, there's hope that they'll stay together. Like, big who cares? Lingering questions. Why was the teacher not really a suspect? Like, he, I guess, like, he didn't have motive, but he had, like, means and opportunity or whatever. I don't know. They, like, just ruled him out right away, and they never really explained it. And then... This is kind of like an open-ended question, but like, do you think Jake was really that mad about the cheating? Or do you think he was just messed up and was waiting for this opportunity to like mess with people and feel powerful and like whatever? Because he was always super controlling and stuff. And when he felt out of control, like I'm sure he was mad about the cheating, but I think he like saw it as an opportunity to, I don't know, get back at her or something. Low self-esteem. I don't know. It was weird. Anyways, why does Bronwyn even like Nate? (laughs) She just seems desperate and the whole classic cliche relationship. She's like the nerdy, popular, rich girl. And he's like the wrong side of the tracks guy has been like super overdone. Anyways, all in all, I super like this book and I'm looking forward to reading the sequel. One of us is next, which I will now read the inside cover in typical dramatic fashion. Come on, Bayview. You know, you missed this. A ton of copycat gossip apps have popped up since Simon died, but in the years since the Bayview 4 were cleared of his shocking death, no one's been able to fill the gossip void quite like he could. The problem is, no one has the facts. Until now. This time, it's not an app though, it's a game. Truth or dare. Phoebe's the first target. If you choose not to play, it's a truth, and hers is dark. Then Maeve comes, and she should know better, always choose the dare. By the time Knox is about to be tagged, things have gotten dangerous. The dares have become deadly, and if Maeve learned anything from Bronwyn last year, it's that you can't count on the police for help or protection. Simon's gone, but someone's determined to keep his legacy at Bayview High alive, and this time, there's a whole new set of rules. Okay, that's it. That's what we're covering next time. Probably gonna take a week off, because life has been insane. I have a bunch of boxes in my house I need to unpack. And like I said, my daughter starts school and I miss her and I want to spend time with her. So in closing, thank you for listening. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the Jolly Reader Podcast. Subscribe so you get notifications for when new episodes are posted. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review to help other crewmates find this podcast and share with your friends, family, etc. If you like secondhand embarrassment, stay tuned for the outtakes. Talk to you next time for part one of One of Us is Next. Until we sail again, this has been the Jolly Reader. Bon voyage. Hey, made it to the outtakes. Let's do it. Testing this recording. <sighs> that basically describes how I feel today. Oh, no, I forgot to let Patchy have his crate this morning. Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay, I got the dogs out before it started raining. And I think I'm ready to record. So if I don't know where my headphones are, check this. Okay. Well, let's try it. <laughs> so Brownman basically... Sh- wow. Train. There's a train outside my house. Cooper says he had expected he liked... Or Cooper says he had suspected... I miswrote that. Sunny! The garbage men are picking up our trash and my dog Sunny like can't handle it. So anyways... And I'm going to take a sip of my coffee because, oh my gosh, I can out of my Jolly Reader mug. Okay.
for something to drink. Apache, stop it. He's stepping out on the beauteous, jeez. So Rory's asleep under my desk. She's dreaming and she's like making little puppy noises. And I'm not even going to edit them out if they get picked up because they're too adorable. Sunny, stop chewing on your foot. Sunny. You need that foot. You only have three that work all the way. Sonny, don't chew on your leggies. Okay, so anyways. Wow. Okay. So they're going through and Addie's not paying super duper attention. Oh gosh, now the recycling guys are hearing my dog's uh, barking. Sunshine, come here. Okay. So Ashton... I am Allie, and you are with me to my mom.